Hey guys, welcome to the show. Today we're going to dive in and talk about anchors. So anchors, what are anchors and how do they affect your, um, your relationship with your spouse? How do they affect your dating life with your spouse and even your sex life with your spouse? Yeah. spouse? What's fascinating about anchors when we teach this to our clients is that we do this naturally all the time. Right, right. We're going to tell you about something you're doing all the time anyways and just how to take the reins. Yeah, and then how we're going to teach you how to do it intentionally yourself to get the life that you want, to have the right. anchors installed that you want. So first off, let's explain like... What is an anchor? Yeah, how do yeah. you develop an anchor? An anchor is... It's the emotional response that you have when you see or hear something, right? Uh, and we do this all the time naturally. We, You have certain emotional responses when somebody gives you a hug, when you hear a certain song and all of a sudden you feel warm and happy inside. Yeah. When, you know, you give your spouse a kiss or hold their hand, you know, all these other little things. And even when you smell a certain cookie that might be in the oven that smells like grandma's cookie, you have emotions yeah. that come up naturally. You're not thinking about them consciously. It's just happening. Yeah, like that hand soap you grew up with and you get a whiff at a friend's house and yeah, you yeah, 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 take yeah. them back to your childhood. Or like with us, there's some uh, lotions that Julie would wear when we were dating and all of a sudden I smell those and all of a sudden I feel like... You're so in love with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it takes me back. It takes you back. You know, this isn't the, the direction we're going to go, but I actually remember reading studies on this in college where just by thinking of a memory... They could take Alzheimer's patients and, and uh, remind them of their environment that they were in when they were in their 20s. And all of a sudden, their bodies started producing the chemicals of a 20-year-old. Wow. Right. So like complete mind-body connection. Like right, your right, body's right. anchored into your physiology. I mean, these guys, they had Alzheimer's, right? So they they weren't thinking about it, but they uh -huh. put them in the environment. And it actually helped quite a bit. Yeah, that's so fascinating. Yeah. When you said the music, so when I was in high school, we had those MP3 players where you could yeah. hold like a couple of handful of songs on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like we are so lucky today. But so I had those songs on that I would run to every single time I went on a run, just on repeat. And today, if I'm in the car and that song comes on the radio, one of those songs yeah, from my yeah, playlist, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just get this rush of energy. It's like, it's been so long, mm -hmm. but I'm still kind of anchored into those songs. Like, okay, I need to go on my run. <laughs> Same thing for me. I've got like music that I listen to when I work. And the other day the music came on while we were at a restaurant. And all of a sudden I just got into go, go, go mode. Where's my computer? <laughs> Where's yeah. my computer? Let's get going. Yeah. So that's, yeah. those are anchors. I feel like those are really positive anchors. Yeah. Um, we do this negatively too, unfortunately. And right. I feel like when people talk about being triggered, like this triggers me, this person triggers me, they're talking about a negative anchor that they've mm -hmm. developed. Yeah. And I, I like to be really careful with the word triggered or triggering because sometimes even that word is enough to trigger some people. Mm -hmm. And unlike a linguistic side, I don't love that word because triggering makes me think of a gun it makes me think of something that you shoot yeah. that you something pull a trigger. that's out of your control it's out of like, your control when this happens i'm going to respond like this no matter what i have no control right, of choice right, right. Matter. and it's a negative thing so that uh -huh. feels so disempowering and in the scriptures we're taught that we have agency that we're supposed to seek more agency so i really like this term anchoring and we actually teach our clients to take the control of their anchors. Yeah. Go back to the first time. Like if you have a negative trigger for you, something that triggers you, mm -hmm. if you can remember the first time that you had that reaction and just understand that you chose that, like you chose to think negatively about it. I'm not saying you shouldn't think negatively about circumstances. We should, mm -hmm. 
There are things that I want to feel terrible about, like child abuse. I want to, I want to hate that. Right. But owning the fact that I'm choosing it, it's still empowering because I'm choosing to feel negative about it. It's not that this thing just automatically makes me feel this way. It's the meaning I'm giving to it. Right. So I'm in control. So let's talk about real quick, like how do you develop anchors? Because you're doing it all the time, every single day. Mm-hmm. And automatically, autonomously, you're not thinking about it. But if you want to do it intentionally and take back the control, yeah. like how, what's what's going on there? So there are two ways to develop an anchor. One is repetition. I feel like that's the one we do the most. Like with my running, right. I list, if I had listened to a song once or twice while running, if I heard it today, I probably wouldn't even remember but it's because I listen to it every day for like five years, that repetition, right? Um, the, uh, the second way you develop an anchor is if it's a very highly emotionally charged circumstance, um, right. like a car crash. Like I might drive every day and feel very safe and secure in my car, but one day I collide with another car and it's emotionally charged, traumatic. I'm filled with adrenaline, fear, anxiety. And the next day I expect that when I get in my car, I'm going to feel some residual fear and anxiety because this car is now linked in my brain to car crash and right. being unsafe. And that actually happened early on in our marriage where there was a car crash and it took a while for Julie to like yeah. get back into a state where she felt car. safe in the car. Yeah, I was like, right. again, I wasn't in my natural state of driving where I could just forget where I was going, you know, and get into my head. I had to like, look at all my rear view mirrors, look at the gas pedal, make sure I was buckled. Like I was very conscientious of everything happening to me in the car. Right. So there's positive anchors, negative anchors. Neither are good, neither are bad, right? I mean, you could yeah. have a, an amazingly positive anchor tied to something that leads to a stupid decision. Yeah. Right. When people are out, you know, gambling and they get this emotional high, they have these high anchors and all of a sudden they make some stupid decisions sometimes. Uh Um, So it's not necessarily a good or bad thing. Mm -hmm. It's just a thing that we do. Yeah. So let's bring this, since this is the Divine Marriage Podcast, let's bring this to dating. How do we do this in our relationships? Yes. Specifically dating with your spouse. So what does anchoring look like in your marriage? Like if you take a second and think about How do I feel if I'm sitting on the couch and my wife walks into the room? How do I feel if I'm sitting on the couch enjoying myself, my wife walks into the room and she asks me to do something? Like there are specific emotional anchors that are going to go off like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Where you can start tying positive or negative emotions to your spouse just being in the room. Yeah. You know, my mind's going back to when we were... um, newly married as like, you know, a couple years into marriage and Justin would come home from work and he would come wrap his arms around me and give me a kiss. And, you know, looking back like that could have been so romantic for me, but I had this anchor that I developed where I would just start to stiffen and cringe because, because I had formulated in my mind that, Oh, when Justin hugs me and kisses me, he's looking for something more. And I was in the <laughs> middle of doing the dishes or I was in the middle of a project. And so my immediate response was like, Nope, no, I don't have time for that. Like we're not going to the bedroom, mister. Like, and he wasn't implying that, but I had anchored a simple hug and a kiss to mean he wants something from me. And that's so sad right, to me right, now, right. but I noticed that I noticed, why is it that every time Justin comes home and he just hugs me and kisses me, he's just being sweet. And I stiffen and I like repel him. And, and I had to realize like, Oh, 
I didn't have the terminology for it at the time, but I had anchored that into meaning something more than it did. And when I could recognize that and start to let go of it, I reframed intentionally in my mind when he'd hug and kiss me like, he missed me. He wants to say hello. Let's give two minutes and just enjoy being present together. And now, and now I love all those hugs and kisses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you initiate them a lot of the time. And then I push you into the bedroom, <laughs> and I'm just kidding. <laughs> so it was kind of cool there that Julie did, and this is this is a technique. So she had a negative anchor, right, that a hug and a kiss meant Justin wants sex. Mm -hmm. And then and there were feelings associated with that, negative too. feelings when you'd hug and kiss me. Like, I didn't, like, I think the right. first few times you do that, my thoughts would go to what, what does this mean? Is he wanting something more? And then after thinking that a few times, that repetition, right. then a hug and a kiss immediately made me feel on guard. And I think this is something a lot of couples struggle with because what happens then? What happens next? Well, we got into a, a pattern because, you know, we weren't allowed to, to hug or kiss without it leading to sex. So then later in our marriage, anytime I wanted to come in and give her a hug and a six, it a hug and a kiss, it did lead to sex. Yeah, because I was thinking, okay, this is where it's gonna go. So if I let him hug and right. kiss me, let's then just I lay it all out. To, yeah. And so it <laughs> reinforced so the anchor. It's so crazy and <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. I'm so glad we're, we're It's fun when you can get past a pattern and laugh at it. Yeah. So your brain will create a pattern. It'll create a neural pathway. It likes to just, once it starts down a neural pathway, it'll go all the way. Wants to finish. Unless you break it. Mm -hmm. And that's what Julie did right there. She started picking it apart and saying, okay, what's going on? I'm noticing this feeling that comes up every time he hugs or kisses me. Why is that? What am I thinking? Right? She got out of her head. And she started subconsciously to create a new pattern. And now we've got this new awesome pattern. Yeah. yeah. We won't reveal all our secrets. <laughs> <laughs> very cool. Very cool. For uh, This was very early on in her marriage. And a uh, very cool thing to go through. So how do you break an anchor? Let's say... If you're going on a date night and uh, it takes you about 20 minutes to get out of your head and actually present with your spouse, mm -hmm. sometimes two hours, mm -hmm. <laughs> how do you change the pattern? How do you make a positive anchor tied to date night so that when you get in the car, you can be ready to go? Um, one way you can... Um change your emotional state. So if date night, if you're in a pattern, again, repetition, if you're in a pattern of getting in the car, maybe you haven't planned a date night. Maybe that's not something you guys do. And so you immediately start the date off frustrated. Like, well, what are we going to do? Whatever you want to do. What are we going to do? Whatever you want. You know, I'm sure we've all played that game before. And then you're just like, why are we even on a date? <laughs> Is that just us? <laughs> but, um, what? But even if it's not, even if it is just us, there are other people with other problems and other things yeah. that cycle in their head. So that pattern, how do you break the pattern? Um, one way you can change your emotional state. So, so let's say we're getting in the car. Justin asked the question, so what are we going to do? And we haven't planned it. Rather than repeating that cycle where my brain wants to go, I'm just immediately feeling frustrated. I'm going to a tailspin. I can bring up more positive emotions just by remembering a time. I felt positive emotions like memories are powerful right. and we have those emotions anchored into our memories. So I could just first off notice if I'm starting to feel reactive, um, take a deep breath because that will automatically kick my brain from a 
parasympathetic, the sympathetic nervous system, which is like, you know, where you feel emotionally charged. And I'm going to get into my prefrontal cortex by taking a nice deep breath, my rational brain, and then I can go back in time and remember a time when I felt really connected to my spouse, because that's why I'm going on a date. I want to feel connected to him. So before starting that date, I can just go back to a memory. Maybe it was our wedding day. Maybe it was one of our dates. Maybe it was when our child was born in the hospital and he's looking me in the eyes and I just feel a strong connection to this man that I've decided to spend my life with. And I can go embody that emotion. And this takes like right. two minutes less sometimes. Yeah, you take a few deep breaths. You go yeah. back in, my, in your mind, go back in time to that time. See what you saw back then right now. Mm -hmm. Hear what you saw, heard back then yeah. right now. And the emotions just come up because you've yeah. already had the anger. And then I get in the car and when Justin says, yeah. well, what do you want to do? I can look at him and I can just feel all yeah. gooey inside. Like, whatever you want to do, babe. <laughs> but yeah. I can feel so, right. like, I can feel connected. You can feel connected. I love it. Um, playing on those natural anchors like your memories. There might be a song that you have that you could turn on and it'll naturally get you into that spot. Mm. I had a professor in college who whenever she was having a down day, she told us that she would take a pencil and put it in her mouth because that created the the movement, the facial movement of smiling. Oh, nice. And she'd read a study that showed that it actually released dopamine into your system by putting a pencil in your mouth, activating that anchor that we all have that smiling equals happy. And after five, you know, two minutes... That's all it takes. A little silly. Maybe don't go on the, your date night with a pencil in your mouth, but there might be something <laughs> Sanitize else it first. That, uh, that is equally powerful. Okay. So today you sent me a video talking about how yes. to use anchoring for sex. Uh, that was a podcast. Did you watch it? No, I didn't. So I'm just like, <laughs> what a great time. Let's, okay. How do we use this stuff for, for the... The meaty stuff of our relationships. Right, right, right. you know, this is a real thing. Um, if we have negative sexual experiences, we anchor those. Right. And it can create a lot of fear and trauma around sex, which is really difficult to overcome because right. to have a positive sexual experience, um, we need to be present in our bodies. Right. We need to have the right emotional arousal state. We need to bring a meaning to sex um, if you don't know this, the brain is the largest organ in your body mm -hmm. <laughs> involved in sex. We don't think about right. it, but we are meaning creatures. We put meaning to everything. And the meaning you give sex will produce the results you right. get from your sexual Now, I would say, especially for women, the studies have shown that your your brain is your largest sexual organ yes. for Yes, that's what female. I meant to say. Thank you. And men have to understand that because they have to understand foreplay and becoming the type of person mm -hmm. that their wife wants to pursue That's and all of these right other space. parts and getting in the right space. So if you have a negative right. anchor, like just thinking about sex and mm -hmm. creates negative anxiety or emotions in your body, like it's, it's really hard to get right. into that space where you're like, come and get me baby. So, right. And it's not a thought thing. It's not because uh, I mean, really it's more just your body gets into a negative state mm -hmm. that affects your thoughts and all of a sudden you start spiraling. Yeah, and anxiety yeah. is not sexy. Right, so how do you break that state, get out of it, and create something new? Exactly. Yeah, that's my question. <laughs> <laughs> Let me talk for a second about what a guy is going through. So that might be what a woman's going through. Um, for men, a lot of the insecurities that we see around sex has to do with feeling good enough, right? Mm -hmm. Feeling secure in the relationship. A lot of times you go in and 
men often get that security of their relationship after having sex. Yeah, feel right? that connection, feeling like things are right. good, we're connected. And for women, for and you know, these are stereotypes. Of course, it's gonna can be different in different relationships. Right. So if if you feel like you're more the other, that's fine. But in general, for women, it's that emotional connection. Once you've mm -hmm. really just like shared, been vulnerable, I had these deep conversations. You feel like, oh, my spouse and I, like we're really connected. Right. Mm -hmm. So if I'm if I'm a husband and I'm going to initiate sex, and my wife turns over and scoots away from me in the bed, <laughs> right? The first and and all of a sudden I've got these feelings that come up, positive or negative. Um, probably negative, but. How do I break the cycle? Well, it's the same question that you asked yourself back when you were talking about when I came and gave you a hug and you made it, gave it all these meanings. Yeah. Ask yourself, what am I making this mean? Yeah. What am I making this mean? What am I assuming that she's thinking and feeling? What am I making this mean about me? Turn yeah. it around on yourself. Yeah. And do I like that or do I not like that? Yeah. So let's go, let's answer that. Like back, like, four years ago, what would right. you have made that mean? Okay. Yeah. I so so I went you? through this, I went through this. Um, and I went through this whole process subconsciously, just, just on my own without this training, but you can go through it much faster now. So where I was probably the, the more predominant, um, initiator of yeah. sex on our high marriage, drive. Mm -hmm. high drive, I'd go try to initiate sex. She'd kind of pull away and I would make that mean all sorts of things about me right? Mm -hmm. Where all of a sudden all these insecurities came up. Am I secure in my relationship? Or maybe I wasn't thinking those words, but like those were the emotions. Yeah. Uh, am I being rejected? A lot of times we have rejection tied back to like experiences from our childhood when we went and like asked a girl out and she rejected us, you know? Yeah. And now we've got this anchor. Um, and, and you make it, mean a lot of negative things about yourself. And I started asking myself, do I like this thought? Is this a thought that serves me? And I realized, no, I don't like it. Yeah. And what if every time I went to initiate sex, instead of making it about me, I chose not to. So you basically, you redecided what you made it mean and right. established a new pattern. And I found a more empowering thought that led to a more empowering feeling. And if you want to know right. the truth, what was happening for me was usually like, I ate a little too much at dinner. I'm so uncomfortable <laughs> right. right now or I'm exhausted because I know uh -huh. the baby's going to wake up in two hours and I really want to sleep. Right. I, it had nothing to do with you. It really had everything to do with me. And what's cool about that is as soon as I was able to take, make that change of this doesn't mean anything about me, what she's doing doesn't mean anything about me. It empowered me and put the ball back in my court to be able to be satisfied and be all the things I wanted to be, regardless of how Julie was feeling yeah, in the moment. Yeah, and so from my experience too, in our early years of marriage, um, because you were the higher desire partner mm -hmm. and I was a little bit lower desire and I did enjoy a lot of our sexual encounters, but there were times where I would, um, we would have sex where I didn't necessarily want to but right. I felt like you needed it. And so it put me in a mm -hmm. self-care position. Like I'm trying to take care of my husband 
which is not sexy, especially no. after taking care of the children all day. And uh, so once I realized, again, I was making sex mean that, like, oh, I have to take care of him. I was like, why am I making it mean that? Right. Like, realizing that is not true. That was just my thought. And on a, on a man's standpoint, like on my, my standpoint, as soon as I changed my thoughts, I got to a point where if Julie pulled, if she turned away and wanted to hug the corner of the bed, <laughs> I was fine with that. I was totally confident and fine with where we were at in our marriage. Yeah. And I could turn around and fall asleep. Like it got to a point where it's just so much more empowering yeah. to go from, I need this all the time or else I don't feel safe, right? To, I feel safe all the time on my own. Yeah. And you just look That's... at me and say, what a fuddy-duddy. Roll over. <laughs> no, but yeah. so for me though, the meaning I changed. So I, I changed it from meaning, oh, I've got to help take care of this for Justin. When I wasn't in the mood, it was a turnaround of like, this is something we get to enjoy together. This is a way he pleasures me and gives back to me. After I spent the day taking care of the kids, he comes and he gives me pleasure. Like, it was for me, and whether that's true or not, mm -hmm. that was a thought pattern that was really useful to me and has been in the bedroom where I'm right. just like looking at it. I'm not giving to you necessarily. You're giving to me. We're giving to each other. It's a shared experience and it's a lot more fun. Yeah, it is. I love it. You can make, uh, make things mean what you want them to mean and you get to choose um, which delusions you have because I was being delusional when I was thinking, oh, Julie's doesn't want me this is maybe i'm not safe or secure in the relationship like that's a delusional thought in her mind she's like i ate a burrito i'm feeling bloated i'm not taking my pants like, off <laughs> yeah i'm not attractive right now <laughs> totally about her usually our thoughts are more about us than about the other person and simply by changing the thought you can rewrite the anchor over time and and it usually doesn't take that much time at all yeah so most powerful question what am i making this mean right and is it true Right. And can then at really that point, that? you have the choice. You can keep the anchor or you can let it go. Great. Go All with right. your anchors today. Yeah. Talk to you later. Make it exciting. Be curious.